Crouch. Bind. Set. Joe presents the House of Rugby together with Guinness. Hello everybody, Happy New Year and welcome once again to the latest edition of House of Rugby brought to you by Joe together with our increasingly good friends at Guinness. It is good to be back. It's a delight to welcome the one and only Mr Nicholas Easter. How are you? A little bit tired, Alex. Because? A little bit tired. Not because of um, just being completely drunk and over the festive <laughs> yeah, period. Exactly. But, uh, I am now a father. As of, of uh, as of Christmas Day morning, would you believe Happy it? Happy Christmas! An Easter born on Christmas Day, well delivered done. by Saint Nicholas. Stop it! It's all come together quite it's, beautifully. It's just, it's just there, How is the, the little man, and what, what are we calling him? What his, did he weigh in at? his name's Jacob. Weighed yeah. in at um, eight pound five. Strong, yeah, strong and healthy, and uh, fully enjoying it at the moment. But I'm sure the novelty of uh, <laughs> the wind in the nappy changing. <laughs> He's going to wear off, off pretty damn quickly. Probably in about yeah. half an hour, um, actually. How's your lovely wife as well? She's all she's right. She's good. She's you looking tremendous. after her, or is she back to work? I, of course I am. You know me, Alex. Good. Yes. No, no, no. She's got a year off work. Fully he, deserved. Just before we started recording, he texted and said, "Put the dinner. I'll be home in an hour." Yeah. So you know, some things don't change. Exactly. Thinking about her, aren't I? Very good. Welcome along. Show of your professionalism as well, obviously. Mm. Yeah, true. Welcome along, Mr. Rob Bickerman. News Hello. resolutions this year. Oh, resolutions, revolutions. Strong. You're probably father first, yeah. friend second, entertainer third, maybe. Yeah. Throw that in there. But it's, uh, I don't know, I don't really do them, to be honest. Right. It's one of those. Just... Easier not to break them. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Usually gone by, what, ten yeah. days? Yeah. They go out the window pretty quick, don't they? Have you, have you laid your name to anything strong? A better man? No. Healthier no, lifestyle? No, no. Just li- li- take each day as it comes. Keep doing what <laughs> Exactly. Just take each day as it comes. Um, you never know what's around the corner. That is very true. It is great to have you both here. Thank you very much indeed for making it in. One or two of our regular viewers and listeners may well be wondering, where the hell is James Haskell uh, as we start a new year? It's a very good question, uh, and it's one that we're all asking ourselves as well. Have a little look at this. Hello and Happy New Year to everybody at House of Rugby and all of our special fans. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be in this week's episode. Uh, I'm not having an operation. I'm not ill. Um, I may have got the day wrong of when we were supposed to be filming the episode. We always film on a Tuesday. Uh, Nobody told me. Well, they say they told me. They might have sent a message, but when you're an international man of mystery, it's very difficult to keep track of what day it is, and especially as I don't get uh, bank holidays or special days off. We have to train. I was training on New Year's Day. So I was standing outside the stadium last night waiting to get a taxi to take me to London, which never turned up, um, because they're recording the show tonight so I'm very sorry that I won't be there I apologise to everyone Uh, I can't believe I'm not going to be there to get heat about my Hello magazine and all the other rugby nausing but don't worry I'll be back next week it'll be business as usual I'm sorry about the boring chat you're going to get but things will pick up next week I love you and Simon the producer this is your fault it is not Simon the producer's fault he's actually come armed with about 14 texts saying we're not recording on the Tuesday after New Year we're recording on the Wednesday and Haskell is not an international man of mystery. He is an idiot. Is he's, that a fair, running, running a fair assumption? He's of, running scared, isn't he? Yeah, he he's is. running scared. He knew that you would crush him with your wisdom and intellect. Um, does that dovetail with what you know of Hask? Um, the inability, the man baby's inability to get himself from to the right place at the right time. No, to, to be honest, I'll be fair to him. He's, he's usually quite efficient with that. 
but right. he does um he did, does tend to occupy his schedule yeah you know quite manically doesn't he so something I, like that wouldn't surprise me i love the fact that he is releasing books and podcasts on self-betterment and how to be a better person and no one's listening or reading them no one's listening or reading them, and he, he can't get himself to the right place at the right time which would be a fairly good place to start if you're looking for some self-betterment and a new year's resolution perhaps yeah could we not get chloe instead that might yes. be a bit more yeah. Yeah. That yes that's a very good recommendation cooking in the background as well whilst he's just doing his little yeah. filming what is he doing He's an idiot. Well, he's, um, he's probably under thumb now, isn't he? That's why he's no, doing that. He's not even so allowed if there's a get-out clause for her, actually, if she, if, she can't, if he can't organise himself in the way that perhaps she's expecting, perhaps there's a sort of a 30-day returns policy <laughs> off the back of their nuptials. We will go through his Hello Edition uh, if he ever manages to get himself into the right place at the right time, and that is something that um, I'm very much looking forward to. I don't suppose you're a Hello reader. <laughs> no, I have no idea. No, I Hold on, not. He, he made out. He made out on that as if everyone would be reading it and know yeah. about it. No idea, yeah. mate. No. Okay. The hospital mag, maybe, but they're about three years yeah. out, usually, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are, exactly. So, park it. I have to get ill in three years' time. <laughs> <laughs> Enough. We will leave Hask there. Um, I'd love to say we're going to miss him, but actually, I'm very excited about some of the topics that we get, we're going to get into on the show this week. First up, um, it's meant to be the season of good tidings and goodwill toward all men. Obviously not in the Premiership over the course of the last few days. Uh, and on this week's show, we're going to be discussing the Steve Diamond, the sale director of rugby, uh, and uh, Sam Peters, the journalist. The fallout between the two of them. We'll look at the relationship between the players and the media. Looking forward to getting your take on this. You've had one or two run-ins along the years. Uh, we'll discuss Mike Brown's comments, hopefully, uh, about the lack of protection for players. And we'll ask whether Rob Bax has got a point about Christmas parties after Exeter's loss to the Saints as well. But we are going to start with a big topic that seems to be sort of dominating the back pages and it sort of seems to have crossed out of rugby into other sports as well the astonishing scenes at king's home i'm sure most of you have picked up on it at the weekend where the sale director of rugby steve diamond confronted uh, the journalist sam peters in the press room after the game about an article that uh, peters had written earlier in the season which called uh, diamond uh, an intimidating man running an intimidating atmosphere and he was a, a director of rugby who ignored medical advice when it came to dealing with injuries uh, in the melee that ensued at King's home, uh, Peters called Diamond a bully before Diamond offered Peters outside. Um, it's a hell of a mess, the whole thing, really. It's, uh, Sam Peters has subsequently said he's not going to take it any further. Steve Diamond's come out and said, you know, I, I run a, 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 an establishment where players have to buy in, and if that's bullying, well, you know, I, I think he sort of parked it way away from that. Have you read about this? Have you watched the clip? What yeah, you yeah, I've watched, uh, watched the sort of footage about 30, 40 seconds. Um, you know, it's quite unsavoury, isn't it? Um, and I think, you know, both will probably regret it a little bit. Uh, but I actually, uh, I think it sort of just adds a little bit of flavour to stuff, doesn't it? Let's be honest. Nowadays, <laughs> you, you know, everyone's giving the PC answers. They're all media trained. You don't actually really get a headline. Now, this is taking a little bit too far as when you're confronting a journalist about something you wrote three months ago. But clearly it was, um, you know, it, it got his goat, didn't it, yeah. Steve Diamond? And he's sort of waiting for Sale to get hit a little bit of form, of which they've certainly done that. Um, I think it's the first time they've crossed paths, and he actually just wanted to challenge him on it. Um, and, look, the media are very, very powerful in, in the world of sport. Well, in the world and in the world of sport, and it's probably not the best way to go about it, but he wears his heart on his sleeve, Dimes. And, um, Do you know him well? I, well, I know him from, you know, whenever Just I've touched, come across not- him for early on in my playing days when I come across him, he was always very in-your-face sort of character. Yeah. And I like having a little bit of that old school, you know. I've never yeah. been in an environment that he's worked under, um, but I know, you know, two guys that I work with very recently in the Curry Cup in South Africa, the Dupree Broys, yeah. love it there and love the way it operates. Yeah. You know, it's no-nonsense, it's honest, it's up front. <clears throat> 
get on and do the hard work. You'll get the rewards, um, and you'll be you'll be in favour. And you know, for me, that's you know what rugby and sports all about. Yeah. Uh, and so, as far as this incident, yeah, look, it's a little bit tacky. I bet they both wish it hadn't happened, but it has. But I just think it adds a little bit of flavour to you know discussion point, if nothing else. And yeah. you know, we we don't want it to happen um, every week. Every week, yeah, exactly. But uh, sometimes. You know, the truth actually comes out. You know, yeah. At times people are talking to the media and they're holding back and they're holding back and they're holding back. Well, there was no holding back this week. It was probably you get a few off. fireworks. Yeah. It's worth actually broadening the context of this because, and, and in the interest of transparency, I was actually at University of St. Peter's many, many years ago. Um, and no, no, to say hello to him, to talk rugby with, and not, not much more than that. But he is not a person who has, I don't think, personal agendas. What his strong agenda is, is around HIA's concussion in sport. And anyone who's yes, followed rugby will know that Sam has written very passionately, very diligently, and with great sort of authority, um, and has raised this, the significant issue of concussion in rugby um, with great passion. That is what has led him to write this very critical uh, article of Diamond two months ago, whatever it was, around... Um, concussion, particularly at sale, and there's um, a player there who's suing the club. Yeah, Kian for the mis- his name uh, Willis. Mer- Willis. Oh, Willis. Willis. That's Willis. That's for the mistreatment of uh, exactly. concussions. Yeah, and that is where this has all spiralled from. So when Peters then went f- absolutely hell for leather at Steve Diamond, is it is it inevitable that there's going to be a reaction? Reaction, or in this day and age, has Steve Diamond got to bite the bite the lip and? Ignore it. Uh, it's really interesting. And, and strange to say, I was in that press room the week before that Peter's article came out in right. sale in September. Uh, and one of the strange comments I did hear when asked to Steve Diamond about why Ben wasn't playing um, in terms of the change of the squad, the Curry Brothers, yeah. he said, well, he opened his mouth, didn't he? And just thinking those little one-off comments, you're putting yourself out there and exposing yourself to a world who are listening to every single word you're saying. Yeah. Now, the article that was written was absolutely right in terms of pulling out that Steve Diamond is an old school coach but that's what sometimes you need to be yeah so when he's going to go out there and put himself in front of the media and and you know when he is at games he is so loud and so aggressive from the sideline that I as as a reporter for for radio whatever you can hear everything he's saying he's effort and blinding it's pretty loud a few people in front always kind of turn around and check it so he's put himself out there to be exposed to it the way it's happened has been a real mess, hasn't it? That, that's what's making a few people a little bit frustrated about it all because it's, it's very public now that social media is so prevalent. You see these little 30, 40 second clips and that's what you're gauging your opinion on, not knowing there may well be you know, months preceding that. Yeah. Um, so Diamond's one of these characters. I think Rupert's better for having people like that. Yep. I think his ways are old school, but put yourself in his position that until like, the last two years, he can now get pulled up on HIAs and people having opinion on his decisions as a manager and as a coach which you'll know about now, that previously he never would have had. He was a closed shop at training. He could do what he wants. And now suddenly there's people podcasting about it, you know, the, the, the Times journalists themselves going on air yeah. and talking about it. You're thinking this is a whole level of scrutiny that he has never, ever been subject to. So has he failed to move at the Times? I think a little bit, but is you that, don't is that, is that ultimately the, the, the biggest accusation here? Is that, and you've both referenced old school already. Yeah. The, the speed with which society in general is moving right now. Yeah, and it's not just in, in the Prem. You look across the, the board of DORs. You know, the average age has been around about fifty-five. Yeah. They're all from that era. You're Dean Richards, same type of character. When he gets in that room where he kind of commands his stance, you, you listen to him, and that's how they handle the press. It's how they always have. But what they're now not 
necessarily able to deal with is, is how they're then scrutinised in a very different way. Yeah. Trial by social media, which... How many DIYs are actually That's what Warren on Gatland says as well, and he did the similar age. He said, any advice for your new, uh, you know, the guy, Wayne Pivot coming in, your successor, and he says, yeah, handle the media better than I did. Uh, <laughs> Gatland's had a fantastic career, and he'll yeah. be remembered for it, you know, whatever he does this year. Um, but he still, he, he understands now. And as you say, as you correctly say, you know, moving with the times, you, you've got to, you literally, it moves on so fast. You know, day by day. But do you need old school in order to be successful in rugby specifically? No, I, th- I think you, you've got to be true to yourself. You know, if you're the head guy, if you're a- any person in your organisation, yeah. I think it's just important that you're true to yourself in your own values. And, you know, clearly, you know, he has old school values, as Dean Richards does, as Rob Baxter does, actually. Mm, yes. yeah. from the, Richard uh, Cockrell. From the day, Richard Cockrell, all very, very successful men. And they're true to that. Um, but you have to have that human element and you have to understand how society's changed, how these guys coming through now are changed, how you talk to them, how, you know, how you, you know, give them confidence, put them under pressure, you know, yeah. sort of carrot and stick, they're getting that balance right. You know, you have to understand that human element. You can't just sort of have your head in the stand and say, well, this, that's hand. this worked 15 years ago, it's going to work now. Yeah. Because um, it might not. I think it's really intriguing on that because <clears> when, when you mention that, the doubts of rugby I've had who are bit old school, if you like, to use that term again, you're almost really wanting that encouragement and praise for them, or as if they are the arms round and you kind of Jürgen Klopp's getting to know you as a person. Sometimes you lose that little bit of real Friction. enthusiasm to try and impress them. Uh, we had one, James Lowe's, Jimmy Lowe's, extra league guy. He was one of the strangest blokes. <laughs> yeah, I remember Bradford, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, proper hard bloke. And he would dismiss everyone. He'd take the piss all the time. Like It would be, come across as the moodiest man in the world. And suddenly he'd say to you, well, that was pretty good, that. And you're like, oh, sit to me. Like you get like, you're up and, you're, and your whole squad are motivated by that. It's a different way of managing people. And the time it clashes is when this new generation are coming through who are a little bit mollycoddled. And then yeah. they'll put their hands up and say that they are of that kind of snowflake generation. Yeah. But it works, doesn't it? Like people are re-signing at sale knowing exactly how Steve Dams is, because there's no edge to him. Yeah. You know what he's going to be like. They can't work him out. They don't want to work him out. The other point in Diamonds, um, he sort of came out with a, a defence in, in the media and has spoken to some journalists, is that he has done a lot for the likes of Danny Cipriani, James O'Connor, a number of other players who've sort of arrived at sale as damaged goods, yeah, yeah. and he's restored them. And uh, I'd be interested to know sort of your view on how he does that. Is, that, is, that, well, does he, think, is he capable of the arm around the shoulder? Well, I don't, look, I don't know Steve Diamonds' background or anything, but certainly comes across that, you know, he's been there and done it. Yeah. In, in a, not just in rugby, but in life. And yes. I think they appreciate that. And they know this guy's got life experience as well. And they're giving him a chance, giving him a second chance. They allow him to thrive. They allow him to run, the, you know, Danny Cipriani running the show. James O'Connor, show us what you got. Yeah. Whereas sometimes those guys go into the environment, it's like, oh, you've got to fit in here. Yeah. And this is part of the balance of coaching is, it's not always going to be like that. I always go back to the 99 uh, treble winning Alex Ferguson team when, it was it Sheringham and Cole never spoke to each other. Yeah. Everyone remembers that. Yeah. But flipping hell, they played well all the yeah. time and they knew what they had to do for the team because if they didn't, someone like Roy Keane or Schmeichel or whoever it was would make sure that they, they knew that they weren't. And it's all about getting that balance and that chemistry right. You're not, you're not always going to get on. They're not all your best mates despite what people think. Um, but it's actually, you tell you what, you, you produce your strengths for me and I will back you all the way. The point that Rob was making about arm around the shoulder or or friction with the coach which did you prefer oh i prefer the coach just to be honest mate i just, just and who was the most honest with i you? just say to him every time i walked in on monday i said don't tell me what i'm doing well yeah tell me what i'm not and tell me what i need to get better at yeah uh, that's all i'd want who was the best at that yeah. that you played under um dino dino was good he, he didn't say much dino 
Um, but if there, yeah, if there, if there was a problem, you know, you knew about it, basically. Right. And you he, knew about it because... Well, he'd but, uh, tell yeah. you direct. Yeah, or no, he wouldn't he, te- no, he would tell you direct. He right. would tell you direct, yeah. um, or through through the coaches or whatever it was. And would that um, be in a public environment or a quiet word on the side of the, oh, the training pitch? Um, quiet word. Yeah, he was more of a sort of quiet word, one on one. As far as I was concerned, you know, it was brought up same as Rob. You know, if it was in a public environment, it was in a public environment. But now that is a big sort of not no no, but it, I mean, people say it's belittling. It's not belittling. It's like right, lads, look, this this is actually what I want you to do. This yeah. is what's expected of you. And you know, if the individual's pulled up or whatever, um, then he then he, then you know he's he's got a man up, hasn't he? He's got to strap a pair on. And I think uh, it has a little bit to do with the upbringing and you know the generation coming through that everyone always talks about the millennial generation. But it's also the environment you create. Yeah. And I think actually there's the way it's going now is. Senior players, senior players are the ones to call the other players out in yeah. front of a group a little bit more than the coaches are because, you know, the coaches are under scrutiny all the time yeah. in terms of that and you can quickly lose a dressing room that way. You look at Jose Mourinho, but Jose Mourinho is a lot more old school than Jurgen Klopsy, Pep yeah. Guardiola, some of these young coaches coming through. Yeah. And his methods now, you know, he's lost apparently lost a dressing room at Man United, but the guys that liked him were guys that had him at Chelsea. Yeah. They understood him, understood they'd seen the success with him, whereas these other guys couldn't. So as you start out on your coaching career, are you are you conscious of what you're discussing here? And are you worried that you are, I mean, you're an old school player with old school values, that actually you're going to have to modernise as you go? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And is that and, something, and, is that and, something and, you're, you're being helped with? Or? Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you know, you, you're getting advice. I've got coaching mentors, um, life mentor as well. Um, about that, about sort of leadership and, you know, how you deal with people. But that's what I love about coaching. Yeah, you know, I, I love the tactics and technical stuff of it. Yeah. Always have, and but anyone can do it. It's about getting that balance right, also with the people management. And I just love seeing what makes people tick, what okay. gets them motivated. And, and there, are, and there get- are, you know, we, we, we you know, we're not slagging them off, are we? But we're sort of saying, all oh, right, it is you know, a generation that wants to be told how good they are all the time. Yeah. But there are a few um, that don't like that. You know, they, they want about. I mean, a Marcus Smith. At yeah. Quinns, for example, what a tremendous guy that that guy keeps his head the way it is now. Yeah. He's going to fly, you know, as well as all the talent he's got. Because he just wants to get better and better. He is the most self-critical of himself. Doesn't matter how much you would, you know, he, he didn't get bollock last year because he was our best player. Yeah. But <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter how much he, bollocking he would get in front of the group, he would be harsher on himself. Wow. Because so do you it, you have to pump up his tyres and keep him afloat? Yeah, well, not really because he knows he's got it all. He is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are players, actually, who are 20, 21, you know, not sort of 30, who might have missed that generation, who are that's instilled in them. Yeah. You know, self-improvement, wanting to get better, self-critique, if you like. Um, but, you know, you want to keep a positive vibe there. You want people yeah. to turn up. You want people to enjoy it and everything. But it's the balance, isn't it? You, you're going to enjoy it, not if everything's great. You're going to enjoy it if you're setting high standards and achieving those high standards because that's what you're in the game for. You're yeah. in the game to improve you know, play for England, play for the British Lions, whatever it might be, win championships. You're only going to do that if you feel you're improving in the, you know, at the training ground. Yeah. So it's one thing saying, oh, that's that's tremendous, Johnny, that's tremendous this, like this, when actually it's crap. Yeah. Because that's just dishonest. And I think players see straight through that. It doesn't matter what generation you're from, they'll see straight through dishonesty. Yeah. So, so are you, here's a question, are you less old school 
in your coaching tracksuit than you set yourself out in life where it's cigars having won the premiership final and you know the minty caricature but mate you've just got i think you've just got to enjoy it along the way because it can be taken away from you pretty quick um there's a lot of lows in sport in rugby um and you you play for the highs you play for winning trophies you know there's big night you know big european nights out whatever it might be that's 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 what you play the game for and i think when you achieve that you have to enjoy it but after that you know, you knuckle down for the rest of the week, you know, you're as professional as you can be and you try and get the best out of yourself because it's pretty short. You know, I had a, I had a long career. I retired on my own terms, didn't get injured, hardly missed a game. You know, the most games I missed was like five in a row, one season. That was it. With what? Um, injury? Neck injury. I just had neck injury. Just needed a bit of rest. Just needed a bit of a yeah, holiday. I just needed to laugh it off yeah, after a while. <laughs> a few beers and just laugh it off. But, um, on. <clears throat> you know, I was very lucky, but I still miss it. And I go, God, that was quick. And I had like really? 16 years. And I still think, God, that went quickly. And That's I was very lucky, yeah. And so we did move away from there, which is really intriguing. I used to love reading your quotes to the media. Largely <laughs> yeah, because... You have to remind me. Well, two <laughs> absolute priceless lines. I'd like to Mo- thank the press from the heart of my bottom. That was Faldo, wasn't it? Yeah, Faldo. I knew. Was that 07? That was... Yeah, that's right. That's um, 07 quarterfinal Australia. And I think the week before, or two weeks before, there was something on... Do you remember the ESPN? Am I allowed to mention that? Yeah, TV you can mention it. ESPN like. had that. Open book. Used to have, they had that channel that had come out. Classic. The classics, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Old games yes. and all that sort of stuff. And it was obviously when Faldo won the Open and he said that. Uh, I'd like it just well, stuck in my head. Just and I'd seen it. it come. He goes, I'd like to thank the press and the heart of my bottom. Very good. And we were getting ridiculed, probably. And Will Greenwood said to me, because he was at Quinn's at the time. And he said, what about that quote afterwards? And he says, do you not think it was fair? I said, well, it was fair after we got dished up by South Africa in the group stage. But no one gave us credit for where we'd, you know, how we'd beaten Samoa and Tonga, who were, you know, tough, tough opposition then. And how we had got through those games and we'd changed the way we were playing and everything and just written us off completely, along with the Aussie CEO, which helped. And uh, I just thought the time was right. My dad didn't. He just said, you're an idiot. But, you backed uh, it up the week, week later as well, though. But, uh, yeah. What was your relationship like with the media? Oh, I like I like God, my Lord. Did you did did you see it as a game? Was it a duty, or was it something actually? It's a bit of fun, and actually, you know, to be at the top level of the game comes with a profile. I'm happy to play to the profile. Yeah, that's the, I, I didn't didn't really have a problem <clears> with it um, at all. Actually, uh, as I said, I, I've always. I just want to be straight up, straight up front and honest with people. You know, to a degree, you can't give away certain secrets and things like that that are going on within your team or, you know, true. You, you understand where the media is getting. So if they ask you about a player, you know exactly what to withhold. Yeah. Um, didn't need any, you know, need, don't need media training for that. You just need a bit of savvy, don't you? Um, Did you have any journals on in your speed dial? Yeah. Did you? No, not speed dial, no. No. no, no but did you, have, did you have journals who... Would ask you for a favour. Yeah, there's, reg- there's regular, you know, two or three of them will always ask me for, a, you know, a, a quote or yeah. can I give you a call about the latest experience or what's happening, you know, maybe the Steve Diamond thing or whatever like that, and I'm happy to oblige. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, they've got to make a living as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although when you start talking no about, about purpose, yeah. writing off New Zealand but in South Africa, you're going to get some column inches for that one, aren't you? you what, what's that? You put out a line with the South African press about, oh, yeah, New Zealand is yeah, probably not going to win it. And then the whole the whole South African press were like, Nick Easter, ex England player, oh, writes off New Zealand. Was that recently yeah. while you were down there? It's probably like, yeah, yeah, not too long ago. Yeah. All right. Do you stand by that? What's that? Win the World Cup? You say New Zealand probably won't go as well as they should, and then the South African press were like, you say there's a chance. Yeah. 
Ah, uh, well, um, we'll, see, we'll see, but, uh, you know, clearly that was my view at the time. And <laughs> After five pints. Well, they wanted to hear what I was paid exactly, to say. Exactly. Um, what about your relationship, Rob, with the media and stuff? Did you have highs and lows, particularly on the Seventh Circuit, where you're away for a long time? I don't know quite what, how tense the yeah. press pack is in that element. There's not really. I mean, when you play the home tournaments, you tend to get a bit more. I think the most intriguing thing about my kind of insight is the fact that I'm now on the other side yeah you crossed over so I, my first keeper. my first few interviews were Steve Diamond at AJ Bell and in how did the that box room terribly about him. because uh, just general aura of the bloke quite intimidating you're in basically a three foot by four foot room <laughs> with a massive light and a huge camera panning on him and he knows exactly what you're going to ask and I know exactly what I'm going to ask and I've got to ask it about an underperformance or a certain issue and he gave two word answers and walked off in his second answer. So I'm like, right, okay then. Didn't go too well. Then you get a John Kingston who I um, did it when you played up in Edinburgh. Yeah. And you can talk to him for half an hour about it. He's absolutely win or lose. Yeah, he's just yeah. a real open and honest yeah. bloke about it, and knows his rugby as well. That comes across. So for me, it's really intriguing how you don't necessarily know when you're being asked the questions how much preparation, how much insight is is coming through. By the person asking them. So you've got five voices in your ear. You've got like a, an editorial you've got to stick to. You've got to ask three questions of which you're getting told, right, no more time for this answer. Mm. You don't really listen to a lot of what they're saying, yet you've got to pick That's up that ability key. to, you know, get the, the hook of the line and then maybe probe a bit further. But with only three questions, it's difficult. Yeah. So I don't respect it enough as a player. Definitely not. And I don't think some coaches do either. But the journalists can look at it from the same point as we're talking about coaches. It's psychology of the matter. You know, I'm not sure if it would work, but if you... You know, Steve Diamond, as you say, you know, is difficult with you. If you went in there and didn't ask him the sort of, you know, regular questions, but you just sort of asked him, um, which nightclub do the boys like to go to? <laughs> well, you know, when you were playing or Got something to push like the this, boundaries. He's sort of get into his head and not befriend him, but get on that sort of term. So later down the line, you might get a bit, extract a little bit more out of him. Yeah, no, it's intriguing um, and different doing live TV where you have only got that certain window to the press room, which is completely different yeah, totally. atmosphere. You can have a chat and that's where you do get to know yeah. a little bit more, which is why it was intriguing that you get, I think there were seven or eight journalists when I did sail back in September, Sam Peters was in there as well. It's a really different environment. You know, it's so laid back, very conversational. You're building that rapport. So it's very different to TV, which can be quite intense, I guess. But it's moved on a lot, hasn't it? Because, you know, the on-pitch interviews with the players mm. before a game, at half-time, you know, directors rugby being interviewed before a game, during after a game. a game, yeah, during a game, yeah, they, they bring out the mics during a game, don't they? And then afterwards in the bar or whatever it is. That's what appeared in the last four or five years. Yeah. Mm. That's it. It's, it's and, definitely and, not as intense as it was, I think, in terms of the, in, in terms of the interviews. And it's... It's more insight than al- analysis, I think, in Yeah, but, in but, but it could be seen by, you know, guys like Dean Richards, guys that have been around for a long, long time in the English game, been directed rugby for a long, long time, as actually, this is just not intrusive, but it's just, you know, an obstacle to overcome to getting a job done. Yeah. It's an irritant. Yes. Do you know what I mean? If it's yeah. done at the wrong time. That, that, that's where I see them thinking about it sometimes. I can completely it's, see that. It's <laughs> they're, they're, they've not been brought up, whereas director rugby is now coming in. You know, they've been brought up. You know, they understand the media, the you know media training, how important it is as a you know part of the match day build up or whatever it yeah. might be. Um, whereas before Rose Rugby, they probably had their day on a Tuesday, which, <laughs> to be honest, was always only the top teams. Cup of tea and the biscuit. It was, it was only the top teams, wasn't it? Yeah. The day on a Tuesday or the Thursday, whenever it was, down at the club. If you were a club director of rugby, yeah. And then if it was a live game, and there was only like one live game back in the day, yeah. Um, 
And so those guys probably still see it as a little bit of, oh, God, I've got to tick this box and get yeah, rid of it. And it comes across that way. Yeah. yeah. The elephant in the room here is not asking you, Mr. 15 years of broadcasting, do you think it's changed in how it comes across? I think it's changed hugely. I mean, it was funny you, you talking about Steve Diamond. I got absolutely steamrolled by Steve Diamond as a 25-year-old report, like, trainee reporter. I'd never done... I'd never done anything at all before I picked up a microphone for Sky. And I got steamrolled at Vicarage Road probably about 12 years ago after a game they'd won. And I, I didn't know which end of the mic to hold. I wasn't quite sure what the hell I was doing down there. And he sensed it and just came straight through. And I honestly saw it as just a, a learning experience. Um, I was probably ill-prepared, ill-equipped and shouldn't have been there. He sensed that and just thought, I'm, you know, I've, I've got other things to be doing. But it was live on telly. And I remember being quite bruised by it at the time but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of offering both sides of the coin but he I mean Steve Diamond is a busy man with lots of other businesses and I, he runs an event business as well and I've hosted a few events for him at the time and he's been absolutely charming and, mm. and helpful and good feedback and well, he's in his element there he's in his yeah of course saying, no, which is why he's just not not being brought up with all of this no. um, for well certainly his playing career yeah you know um, when did his playing career end like end the 90s or something like that yeah sort of mid to end 90s 97, 98, like late 90s and then his early coaching career and then suddenly it's you know it's on to, it's, it's a very very important part of the business yeah mm. but that's why I think it's so difficult to find a conclusion to this debate because yeah. it is he said he said in terms of Diamond and Peters and yeah. Diamond is protecting his players and running an organisation which is alpha males going out to physically dominate another team and win. And, and Peters is quite rightly highlighting an issue which is potentially leading parents to question whether their kids play rugby. And, you know, the two yeah. have very differing views of, of a sort of single point in the, in the middle. I mean, do, yeah. you think, do you think, in some ways, do you think an element of bullying is required? A, a, a number of people in, particularly in rugby, it is a physical sport where you have to stick your jaw out and go to work as an alpha male. I, th- I think there's going to be a lot more on this. I'm not saying it's just because I'm a coach. Is the accusations of bullying in coaching now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cycling the, as well. Well, Jeff exactly. Sean Sutton, Shane, Shane Sutton. Sutton Shane yeah. Sutton. Well, I just read something today about Craig Bellamy um, right. at Swansea Academy. You know, yeah. so a young players accused him of bullying. And look, no one at all sort of wants any sort of bullying in any yeah. environment whatsoever um, but again you know from a coaching perspective what's being done from their point of view to how they can manage that situation and also manage the accusations that have been thrown at them <laughs> yeah. um, because at the moment it's very much the players right all they've got to do is mention that um, you know journalists mentioned that but the players back him up it's fine but you know one player mentioned disgruntled player that's all it takes everyone yeah. else can be perfectly happy Yeah, and suddenly that's what you're labelled as um, and I think you know that's a delicate balance you've got to get right yeah. in the coaching world particularly when you're dealing with a whole host of different characters exactly and sometimes it's just trying to push you as far as you can yeah. go because ultimately that why have you why have you signed up to be a professional surely not just to sort of pick, well some actually do sign up to pick up the pay packet and actually, well I'm not sure if I can next but, week next week next week yeah but they do they just love the fact of being a professional rugby player which uh, which is something I struggled with did you actually, call did you did you play with players like that oh yeah did you yeah. call them out yeah so, yes I did um, so that's quite old school. Did you have an arm no, on no, their no, shoulder, no, no, or did you? No, no, no. I called them out when I was a player. Yeah, that's what I mean. Much more is. Uh, I mean, your well, as soon as, as soon as the, it came, it's, it's usually a sort of second, third, fourth choices right. who tear up in training. 
Yeah. Because obviously the first choices are looking after themselves, and yeah. then they'll come in. It's semi-contact, come a little bit harder, seventy-five, hundred percent. All right, mate, Tarzan in training, sort of thing. Play like Jane, and uh, in the gym, you know, not too bad in the gym and all that. Smashing the fitness test because they're fresh, you know, they haven't yeah. had the knocks and everything. Might have played a few A League games, and then when when it comes on, right, first choice is injured. Right, your chance now. Oh, my back. Pull up really? with a back. In. Yeah, genuinely. Come over, pull up with back injury, or you know, suddenly, where's this hard man in training gone when they're actually playing the game? Anyway, and, I was just uh, trying to think that's why I just couldn't get my head around it. I said, Surely you want to be there on a Saturday, <laughs> that's that's why you signed up for this. Not because, well, well, I'm re- thinking the reason is I'm gonna look good in front of my mates here because you know, I'm cock of the walk at school, I'm, yeah. in, I'm in the academy at school, maybe a bit of England under 20s or whichever country you represent, and um. You know, when it come, push comes to shove, it's actually about just being, I'm a professional rugby player, saying I'm a professional rugby player, I play for Harlequins or I play for whoever. Wearing the badge. Yeah, instead of actually, I want to be out there competing, winning a game, being with my teammates and enjoying it. I mean, look, it's a small number. Yeah. But there is a number out there like that. You just scrolling quids and brights. I'm trying to go through the, yeah, the, the, the academy and the, uh, exactly. It was at school. Um, it was like a quiz. It was at school, quids and brights. Rob Shaw. I've got to, I want to ask you this one last question about the media. 35 grand down the bog. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you feel sold out then? Um, to, to just put some context on it, this was post-2011, yeah, yeah. and there was a massive, sort of, as there is every time England got a World Cup, a massive blow-up expose, and somebody leaked their... You, you all filled in questionnaires, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a report. And somebody wrote in there that you came into the changing room after the France defeat quarterfinal and said, well, that's 35 grand down the loo. Is that true or not? Well, I probably said that. And I'll tell you a number of other... Well, well, we talk about the Australia game. Mark Regan's walking around with Matt Stevens going, 16 bags, 16 bags after we've won it. You know, that's 16 bag bonus for going through to the next round. No one thinks two seconds of it. You know, players before that France game are going, we've got to win this minty, it's 35 grand on it, you know. But that's not your motivations when you're out there at all. I mean, it's the most pathetic thing. The most disappointing thing about that is it was actually um, Ian Stafford that phoned me up and asked me about it. I said, well, is I never came in there and said it in front of everyone out there. It would have been sort of, a you know, in the corner or whatever (laughs) like that. Gallows humour, very facetious. Look... Absolutely more dis- as disappointed as everyone else, you know, yeah. going out in a quarter final. <laughs> You're there. It's, it's an hour. It's probably, it's probably an hour or hour and a half down, you know, in the changes, maybe showered, maybe still in your kit or whatever. Disappointment, just chatting away, flipping hell, you know, about this, that, as you do when you lose big games yeah. and you're out of the tournament. And would have said it to someone who I know that understood the facetiousness of the rem- remark. And I'm just disappointed that whoever overheard it yeah. or heard it. Do you know who, actually do you know believes, who it? No, I don't. But uh, do you care? I, not really. Not now. It's so. So. But I'm just thinking. Hold on a do second. Do you tell you? Think, think it was a go and tell me? Who was it? <laughs> if um, only I knew. And I'm just disappointed. They thought one. It was. It was worth mentioning in there. But two. Whether it was my motivation or not, and I can tell you, it's not. Yeah. Um, anyone that knows me, that that is not my motivation. Um, but it's like, well, you know what, lads, it's done. We've lost the game. We've lost the game. It was mentioned. Say something like that. I can't remember saying it afterwards. And yeah. as I said, if I did, it would have been teammate, teammate, and someone might have overheard it. I was, but you, I just thought it was just a storm in a teacup like yeah. everyone else. And, you know, everyone looks for little things to blame, don't they, when things aren't going well. So that was a bit of a shitstorm post-2011. 2015, obviously, was an almighty one. I mean, I know you didn't 
carry the candle. But can you exp- just explain what it's like to be caught in that, where the press just are gunning for everything? And obviously, you would have had an arm around Chris Robshaw, I imagine, in the aftermath of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that was a tough, brutal it was tough, time. For it was him. tough on him. And the thing is, with those reports, um, is you could have done exactly the same with the All Blacks who won both World Cups, and you yeah. had 15 happy players and 15 disgruntled players, and they said a coaching shit, or, yeah. you know, we didn't get this right, or that's, so, you know, we shouldn't have gone on that social, or whatever it was. You know, if you'd, if you'd interviewed them. There's always, you know, the guys, the guys that are playing and starting, usually generally pretty happy. Yeah. The rest of the guys, the ones that, you know, their, their remarks going to get pulled out. Yeah. Um, Take on the chin and move on. Exactly, take on the chin, mate. There's other sides that, are, you know, on the day they turn up, they're better than you, and that's it. You can see that meme file around afterwards going, too soon? <laughs> What's that? The too soon comment. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. I, I like it. I know exactly what you mean. Oh, mate. Yeah, I wouldn't, I'm doubting whether I said 35k as well, because after tax, it would have been something like 20 grand. Net. Like exactly. And, <laughs> 27, yeah, with my mathematical mind, I would have made sure yeah, exactly. that I got the precise details right. Um... Very interesting thoughts. I'm, do you know? I'm actually going to. I think that was we've gone over there. So I'm going to leave the player welfare bit, um, particularly around Mike Brown. Just very quickly on that. The, did you see the Mike Brown thing where he landed on his neck and back the weekend? Um, I did. That's when Josh Bassett yeah. failed to jump. Um, my take on it is, I think they're making strides in player welfare, and it's more about taking um, distracting away from Dave Ward's yellow card. At the time, I think it was much more of a tactical team thing. That is a strong accusation of accusation of spitting. I don't think he spat on him. You know, you know. Well, the thing is with Wardy, we've always carried umbrellas around because he spits when he talks anyway. Right, uh, it just full say it looked bad, but uh, I don't think he's he meant. Well, I don't think he spat on him. Full stop. You know, he's got a ban, and rightly so. um, Bit of a cheap shot. But I think it was probably part of a plan. I'm not saying it was, but my guess is, right, well, let's divert attention away from that to we're the victim sort of thing. Political. Cynic. What do you reckon? You'd be watching the thick of it. A spin coming. (laughs) Um, I I hadn't gone there, but it takes one to know one, is what I would say. (laughs) you've made a good point okay um we'll come back to that because what i do want to ask you about is your south africa experience Mm -hmm. before we get into obviously your time with the sharks what is your connection with south africa were you born there no uh my mum's south african mum's south african African. um never knew him but my great granddad was a springbok came on the first tour in 1905-6 couple of caps wales and england i think wow have you still got those Um, the family in the attic yeah, some books and everything, and I've had some a lot of Quinns fans actually send me through stuff. You really, know, the hardcore, hardcore. So, mum's side, what was what was, his, what was his what was his name? Larue. He was Peter Larue. Really, so a very popular South African. Yeah, yes. So, um, yeah, so and yeah, I've had family out there. There's there's none there. At where, the moment. where are they based? Well, there's none there at the moment. They've oh. all gone over to America. It's her three sisters. Uh, my, uh, obviously, my grandparent, her well, not obviously, but her mum and dad are now no longer with us. Um, there are second cousins out yeah. there. I did a year in Cape Town before I went professional as well. Yeah. Uh, playing? Yeah, playing and teaching. So I went out there to oh. teach and I started playing, and that's actually when I realised, you know, I was playing club rugby and played a couple of games for Western Province A with, you know, Springboks and Super Rugby players. I went, actually, Who was in the team that you were, when you were down at Province, that we'd have known? Um, Villiers? But, no, no, he wasn't around then. This is 2000. Bobo. Um... Remember the, the res- Bobo, remember, yeah. Well, he had just come out of school. 
He was, he was actually at the school that I taught was at. Was Fen- AJ Fenter a uh, province then? No, he was at the Sharks then. He, he was, was at the Sharks. So you had so people you got, like so Rousseau. Danny Rousseau? Chris, no, Chris Rousseau, Chris Rousseau. Peter Rousseau, remember the winner? Yes. Yeah. Those guys down there. Bram from Stratton, the fly. Oh, yeah. Off, remember him. Stewie Abbott was about then. Yes. As well, before he came wasps. over. Stewie Abbott. Um, which locks? Who were the locks there? No, Taste Stoltz. So I don't think he, you would you'd remember him. Um, Robbie Kempson. Yeah. The um, prop. Prop. Yeah. Robbie Fleck. Robbie Fleck. Yes, Robbie, Robbie Fleck, Fleck was there. down there. Skinstad was he around? He was injured that year because ah. he'd done his knee. Yeah. Because it was uh, it was after the '99 World Cup, wasn't it? So did he go in the '99 World Cup? He had a bumpy year the year before. Anyway. Yeah. I think he must have. He was he a super sub. Do, he was the original domi- super sub. He dominated Super Rugby yeah. the year before, and then. Had that accident with his knee. Yeah, he did. Mm. And he was recovering throughout that entire time. He's like a lot of South Africans now in South West London. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He, Drinking in Putney. Um, so how did you end up at the Sharks? So I um, arranged to do see, uh, some continued professional development, which yeah. you can do in any sort of occupation. And in rugby, it basically, you know, Harlequins send, send you down. Other clubs do this. Plenty of clubs do this, and usually to the southern hemisphere to basically go down there, observe, fact find, see how things operate. Um, did you organise this while you were at Quinn's? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so this you? is all organised, signed off last February at Quinn's to do a week down there at the end of June, um, and a couple of weeks before then um, was when I, you know, parted ways with Harlequins, but they, they you know, they fulfilled their obligation to send me down there and everything. So I went down there, did a week with them. Came back, we were still, you know, sorting out the finer details of the severance at Harlequins. And during that time, it couldn't have been worse timing in terms of, you know, everyone's in pre-season, yeah. around the premiership and everything, you know, in terms of where there might be coaching opportunities. I just thought, well, actually, I've gone really well with them down there. Yeah. They've got a Curry Cup coming up. I just pinged them an email and I said, how do you fancy, you know, me joining your coaching staff? I said, look, I'll come over. If I'm really crap, you can just let me do the warm up. If I'm even worse than that, I'll just bring the water on. You know, it's, there's no risk for you. Is yeah. basically what I'm saying. Um, and absolutely loved it. Yeah, no, they embraced it straight away. Got it signed off. Gary Tyson, the CEO, said, "Yeah, yeah, fine, no problem." And um, so, what did you end up doing? So I was doing the cutting four, the oranges. No, I was, no, <laughs> yeah, water bottles. That's <laughs> it. Oh, that's old cleaning school. The t- cleaning the tyres. Well, mate, if I, you know, yeah, I'm old school. I don't think they should have water. I think they should have oranges. You're right. right. But uh, <laughs> um, I did the forwards. I was the forwards and um, somebody, somebody attack. I was doing as well. And how different a perspective has, has it given you on coaching the game in South Africa? Was it was it an amazing learning experience? It was. It was learning because I was also breakdown as well. So there was many breakdown and forwards and. Uh, there were certain subtleties, differences, and it was interesting because, you know, I think a month into that, um, sort of observing how they were doing things, um, and then the premiership starts, and you like to sort of compare and contrast. Obviously, yeah. I know from playing in it, and but live comparing notes and the type of games and everything. And look, you've got over there, there, you know, rugby's in really rude health up here. Yeah. Let's get that correct. Northern Hemisphere has never been so strong. This Six Nations is, you know, the strongest Six Nations is ever going to be. Yeah. Um, but there's certain things that are just inbuilt down there, and that is just being bone-hard aggressive at a really low body height, which sounds... There's no rocket science to yeah. it. Yeah. But every single one of them, the wingers, the fullbacks, the scrum halves, I go down there and coach breakdown, they're coaching me to break down. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, they do this, like this. And, and the other thing is, they've just got it in... South Africans, they've always been like this. I mean, and, and this is another thing that, you know, sort of got my goat a little bit when I, in, in coaching is when the game came on a Saturday, yeah. YP, you know, sometimes you've got to poke the bear yeah. know, as a group sometimes, but it, once in a while, because it, you know, soon becomes what, saturated. What, like, what, what do you mean? You know, an inspirational team talk, yeah. whatever like that. But that, that's got to be like once every two, three months if you need that. Yeah. But it's up to the individual to have a fire in his belly and everything mm. to go out there. And, uh, you know, that, they've all got that. We played, we bought, Joe Worsley bought his Bordeaux side over for a pre-season friendly like this. And I thought, well, you know, they're going to be big, big, fat, lumpy Frenchmen on the, you know, on the, on the baguettes and everything. And they came down. They were like that. I know it was a pre-season game and yeah. it started raining, so the French had no interest at all. And our lads were sort of like, not laughing and joking, but chilled out in the change rooms like this and in the warm-up. I'm sort of thinking, I think we need to ramp this up, but I'll just see how it goes. They're blasting everything because they just love it. You know, they don't Jeez. need anyone to sort of give them a clip round the ear or whatever, you know, to sort of get them up for it. It's just, it's just natural in them. Wow. Which is in, in top players, you know, all the English top players, exactly the same, yeah. the Irish, all that sort of stuff. But I just saw but it across the board. But that runs deeper in South Africa. I saw that across the board. You know, the under-19s, the under-21s there. Um, you know, they, they, they just, yeah, exactly. They just, you know, rugby is still huge over there. Yeah. Massive, massive. I mean, I know there's more that play football and everything, but it is still really the national sport. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just trained into them from a young age. Um, that you know to run hard, hit things hard. Sometimes not the brightest thing to do because there's a lot of space on the field that they sometimes ignore. The and you see that you see that with the national team <laughs> yeah. quite a lot. Um, but in terms of you know you you being concerned, are they actually their headspace in the right in the right? Uh, is their head in the right space? Yeah. You know to basically be as physical as possible, which is what you need in rugby. Is like you, you know you put that to a side. You know that's a guarantee every single week. How well do they celebrate? Because you obviously won the Curry Cup. Talk, mm. us, talk us first of all through the run to, to, to the victory and how hard they go at it afterwards. Yeah, we had a few good socials during the time as well. Um, during? Good. Well, no, th- th- throughout, yeah, throughout the group stages, a um, few midweekers. We had a couple of bye weeks, which helped. They changed the sort of format, so we just played each other once in a round robin. Yeah. So it was a real sort of sprint. Yeah. Um, and you couldn't slip up. Um Semi final, won the semi final. Um, I I was like, lads, because the final was away in, in Cape Town, and I was, I was like, well, we've got to have a night out in Durban, surely, you know, because we're not going to be able to celebrate this. <laughs> of in the Durban. coaching staff leave, leading them out into the town. Yeah, well, sort of, and it didn't even need sort of second offering, you know, they, no. they were there partying hard. And again, it comes back to that, you know, you've got to celebrate yeah. at the time. You've also got to be professional. So. You know, a lot of a lot of the guys. A lot of the guys. You know, they make sure they're in bed before two. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rest of us hooked before up to four. a trip. And uh, we've been down, and our only game actually, we lost quite heavily down uh, Western Province in the group group stages, and we got a lot wrong, a lot wrong in the build up, and we corrected a lot of stuff. And I just knew we'd win. So yeah. We've been in that situation so many times, where forget about the mentality of the opposition and everything, but you're the second favourites. They're at home. And the previous year, it happened the other way around. They'd beat the Sharks at home. Yeah. Just couldn't deal with the pressure of a home final, all the expectations. Um, and I think, actually, in the Curry Cup, I think of the last eight finals, seven have been won by the away team. It's mad. Yes. Hmm. Um, and we went down there, and, you know, some of the coaching staff, we had a nice, we trekked up Table Mountain in the morning. Yeah. Nice bit of a workout. 
uh, work up a bit of a thirst um, for later on. <laughs> and a bar on top wonderful of, yeah. views, wonderful views of course. Uh, up there. Um, it was actually it was hard work. I'm not sure if you've ever done it. I've been up by cable car. Oh, have you? Even my year there, yeah, okay. I only went up via cable I've car. But we we there, walked though. up there, the Lion's Head, and uh, it's harder walking down. That's because? Hard, because you just want to, you've done the main bit. You know, you make your okay, progress, yeah. you've reached you know, the, you know, the pinnacle or whatever it is, you, you've achieved your target. Yeah. And then you've got to get down there, and it's tricky getting down. You know, there's snakes you've got to watch out for, and, uh, you know, you're a long way from any sort of medical attention when you're up there as well. And Jesus. You don't want to be wrong-footing, and suddenly you're sliding down. You're much more likely to fall over, aren't you, when you're sort of launching All the way down, yeah, back to the knees. You know, off sort of rocks and, and what have you. Can you all get the cable car down? No, oh, no, no, no. It's in a completely different part. Are you a line set, yeah? Yeah, no. a different part. And, uh, yeah, and then we played a game, scrappy game. Boys won, dug deep, and uh, celebrated pretty hard. I actually flew back. I had my uh, antenatal class, my missus. <laughs> antenatal class on a Monday night. I flew back on a Sunday. I was gutted because the boys then celebrated for another two, three days. Really? Yeah. Went, uh, they went out into the middle of the pitch at, uh, you know, the shark tank in Durban. Yeah. Yeah, got the bry out. Naked briar, whatever. And your you missus have. wouldn't let you off the hook. Is no, rolling around on a birthing she, ball. She, no, she was very good, mate. She didn't cut. She she came out for ten days. Really? Of my, of my two and a half months down there, yeah, because of work. Nothing to do with her being due. Yeah. Because she had a really busy time at work um, into mid October. Yeah. So she just she match she could take off was that. So you know, I had to you know play the white knight when I got home and yeah. she said look our antenatal start on a Monday there's no way you're missing now I'm not going there by myself it was a couple's one. Oh, one of those so I said alright you right, made lifelong then. friends so I said okay I'll stay very good how noble well done you the nightclub outside the stadium though in the 80s or something right outside well in Newlands yeah I think they've yeah. not let down yeah, okay. but uh, I remember, I remember a few, there was still a few old haunts from when I was there for you know the village idiot and what look have you yeah, are you talking to them the about Super Rugby? Yeah, at the moment, oh, just in yeah, just in negotiation. I mean, they're super keen to have me back out. I'm super keen to go back out there. It's just um, you know, basically getting the you know the negotiations and finances sorted. Is that exclusive? No, it's, I haven't read that in the press. Well, no, because it's nothing to do with the Premiership, is it? No, no, but still, it's quite. So, if all things come together, you'll be coaching Super Rugby. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Hopefully, I, I yeah. think that is an exclusive. No, that'd be, um, but that'd be awesome. It'd be awesome. I can hear, hey, I can hear producer Simon just scribbling away, going, yeah, "That's going to go straight onto the website." Mate, that's very exciting. Yeah, exactly. Well, so we'll, we'll have take to we'll, out. We'll have to we'll have to see how the negotiations go with it and everything. Um, you hopeful. Pound not round. Both sides, you know, all yeah. over it. Um, which is good. That's yeah, well, exactly. Pound, pound, not rand. We need a <laughs> we need a yellow crawl bar that we can now roll along hey, the bottom. Breaking, say, news. breaking news. Wouldn't be January if it weren't. No, it's very true. Yeah, and I would take the family out, including the dog. Oh my god. Yeah. What's the dog? Uh, he's a Rottweiler. They're very popular over there with a massive for obvious sort of reasons. With yeah. a massive <laughs> kind of no, he's, yeah, he's a good looking, but he's a good looking boy. Called Duke. Strong. Yeah. Um, I want to very very quickly ask you about Quinns. Is that Done with us, left on a handshake, or pissed off and bitter, or no, how do you look fine. at it now? It's a big boys' um, game. I know you've said that in the no, past. It, it is, it is, isn't it? And uh, for me, for me to become the best coach I can be, yeah. I needed to get out of there yeah. um, because I love the club. It's still my club. You yeah. know. Um, it's in my heart. I played. How long did I play for? Twelve, thirteen years. Coach for two. You know, that's a long time in that yeah. environment. And just to see, you know, you know, coach other players. 
that um, you know you haven't played with, uh, be in another environment, see how things are done. I think that's right. It doesn't matter where you come from. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you're in a successful environment, sometimes what works for that place and those people yeah. might not work for another group of people or in, a, in, a, in another sort of culture, if you like. I mean, that was the interesting thing, the, the, the culture thing yeah. over there. Um, and, you know, it runs deeper than, you know, the, everyone talks about culture and getting the environment right and all that sort of stuff and what is culture and the behaviours of people and, you know, driving it from the top all the way down and all the setting standards. And that's how I knew it. But then I get over there. Yeah. And I'm speaking to, you know, Chili Boy. Chili Boy Ralapelle is our hooker. You know, he's been around a long time. Zulu. He's had some ups and Yeah, no, exactly. He? Well, from, you know, Zulu background. And um, he's talking to me on the flight back. Actually, when we lost the province in the in the group stages, and I'm sort of doing my analysis of the game, he's sort of looking and goes, yeah, you know, people need to speak to each other with more respect in this team. You know, I don't think... I was like, all right, listen, what do you, what do you mean? You know, and he goes... Well, someone's telling me to get round the corner, and they're saying they're, they're basically saying, "Chili, fucking get round the corner, fucking come here, come again." I was like, hey, that, "That happens all the time. Surely that's all right." And he goes, "No, nah, not in my culture. You never swear in my culture. You, you can't." So I'm saying, so if it was, you know, another another culture, or whatever, please, like will you get round the corner? It's, and like, it's like you can say that to him, but to you, you got to think, "Oh, I can't say that to him." So I had to sort of like mediate this with him and say, "Listen, but you got to understand, mate." Um, he's doing that because he desperately needs your help in a high-pressured split-second situation. This isn't, you know, you've overthrown a line out yeah. and then you're walking to the next scrum and he said, you're a fucking twat, you've overthrown a line out. That's slightly different. <laughs> you know, this, this is a high-pressure situation. I see you wandering around yeah, but it's the like, stoop issuing a few of those but, back but, in the but, day. But, but people make mistakes and everything, but in, as far as that's concerned, he needs you. I said, he needs you, Chili. Do you, do you understand that? Like, he goes, yeah, I do understand that, but maybe. And so we had to sort of have a meeting about that. <laughs> you know, and that's that's highly delicate compared to, you know, people who say there's cultural issues in, you know, the game up here sometimes in certain environments and everything. You know, when you're dealing with that, that's highly complicated. Nicky's to the mediator. <laughs> Stick it on the CV. No, not really. Um, very exciting, and I hope that all comes together. We shall watch with great interest. Yeah, thank you. Um, just very quickly, just, I just want to pick up with you on the... We were talking about parties and going out and celebrating. The, the Rob Baxter line, that they, uh, their, <laughs> their Christmas party obviously dragged on a bit too long. and He feels the, men, the mental aspect wasn't right, and therefore they lost to Saints. Is that not his responsibility, or is it in this day and age? <laughs> right. All you ever is hear about Exeter responsible for the players. What? Is they're on the gas all the time. That's part of why they've got such a good team. He atmosphere. sort of drives it most yeah. of the time. Yeah, on the exactly. team bus yeah, home. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Is that right. right? Yeah, but I mean, it was six day turnaround. So they played Saturday, hammered Saturdays at home. Yeah. Fair play, you celebrate. Why not? You know, you don't do that often. And then what? Friday night turnaround. So probably drove up Thursday to Northampton, and, and fair play. He said it was an attitude thing, which is why he's a bit annoyed. But again probably a little bit of deflection like i'm gonna write this one off lads we'll put it down to a party going on for too long that's kind of saying my bad yeah what's next and, and that's what you want from your dor sometimes just to step up yeah. and say yeah I'll, I'll take this hit fellas that's teed up very nicely this week's guinness perfect pour do you know what the Guinness Perfect Pour no, is? No, I don't. So the Thank Guinness you, Perfect Pour is a weekly test that we run on the show each week, uh, and it's 119 and a half seconds, because that is how long it takes to pour the perfect pint of Guinness. How is it? You'd know that. We, I'm sorry we, we haven't got pints this week. Normally we do. Well, so I was about to say. Well, I say normally. We have, for the first it. time last week, we had our pints, and it, it got going... My Haskell took his down in three seconds, and the show sort of unravelled from that point. Yeah, he got some good um, lines after that, didn't he? I'm being told by producers, is that honestly never again? 
I was joking. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, we're hopeful that we will have our perfect pints back at some point. But what we do is we ask, normally ask Hask a selection of questions on a topic that he chooses, mm. and he gets 99% of them wrong. He chooses them. Well, he's we've terrible. had to get to that because he's not very good. So this week, Nick, you are stepping up to the hot plate. Um, you, you... It wasn't on his wife he got them wrong, was it? No. <laughs> Jesus, that's a very good topic, actually. <laughs> that is a very... There we are. Let's make a note of that for next week. That's next week. Um, you're all on the hot seat. You wrote a piece for the Mail about your honeymoon in Kenya and Zanzibar earlier this year. Do you want to confess at this point that you didn't write the article, or are you happy oh, to go Of course I wrote it. OK, good. No, no, I don't know if I did actually. How much do you remember? <laughs> the questions are all taken from your article. I'm sure your wife, uh, Kerry, will be keeping score. And we're absolutely delighted with how many you know. Are you up to the challenge? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. How long was your flight to Kenya? I oh, know, eight hours. Correct. Already, I you have a better... Oh, well, don't look at the answers. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Oh, cheat, you are. You arrived in Nairobi and were met by what? Um, concierge. You can have that. It was a beaming driver. Uh, he drove you through the chaotic stro- streets of Nairobi to where? The House of Pain. No, not House of that's, Pain. That's, that's my, this, isn't it? That's my abode. The House this of Wayne. the House of Rugby. It was the House no, of Wayne. It was the House of Wayne. The House of Rugby, the House of Pain. It was uh-uh. the House of Wayne. It was the House you of Wayne. You were concentrating. How many yeah. bedrooms does the House of Wayne have? Oh, oh, I don't know about that. Not many. Not many. Superb place. Superb place. I don't know, six. Eleven. Is it then? So you can't have that. Uh, your four-poster bed was covered in what? Is this, after, know, straight is, it, to the is, this, is this is this in the morning after we've slept oh, in it, or is it uh, uh, sorry after the light out? Uh, uh, no, before as you carried your bride uh, over the threshold. Um, I don't know something calling like rose petals was it? Too good, yeah, very good here. What was the first thing you saw? I can't believe you answered that. <laughs> well, what else? Did it be? Uh, what was the first thing you saw when you landed in the Masai Mara? No, wildebeest. Yeah, no. What was it? No, the first thing you saw was. Uh, the landing strip. <laughs> Steady. <laughs> you filthy animal. No, it's the Maasai warriors in tribal dress, apparently. Oh, OK. That's, that's, Just that, can I hear them already clipping up which bits they're going to try and I take out of I didn't write that article then. You didn't write that bit. Uh, you stayed at the Nibor-tented camp next yeah. to which river? Talik. Very good. Very good, this. Uh, who were the main residents of the river? Oh, the hippos. Very good. Yeah. Uh, what was the name of your private guide? Uh, Jackson. You did? Did you genuinely write this article? Yeah. I'm quite impressed. Well, half. Half, half of it. Half. Had a quick phono. Uh, what animal gave the you the reason fear? I know those last few questions, though, is I heard off Jackson on WhatsApp at Christmas. Oh. So that's... Saying when you're coming back out? No, no, no. He's just saying how things are. Um, he's a good guy, he's a top man. Is he? And the Tannic River and the Hippos and Nyball Camp and everything, actually, we had a, a mate of mine was asking, where were you the other day? I had to Google it and look it up. So if you'd asked me this Fresh probably a couple of weeks ago, wouldn't have known it. Which animal gave you the fear? Gave me the? Fear. Um, you definitely had switched off by this No, point. no, the lion, <laughs> yep. wasn't it? Yeah. Why? Because I tried to climb out of the top of the is that the one thing truck. they tell you not to do they tell you not yeah. to do that and right. we we found his brother and his brother was chomping on a wildebeest they're always in brothers like lions you know yeah like two brothers wandering around look after each other 
and there was hyenas sniffing around and we saw him he was finishing he was right by you know got really really close to him then he just went on a nice little walk and then Jackson our tour guide goes he's trying to find his other brother let's just yeah. let him walk ahead and then we'll go and try and find him we went did a big circle and then we saw him sleeping and the brother was sort of I don't know maybe 30 yards away and I just wanted them both to interact so I wanted to check where the brother you used was. yourself as best. Yeah, so I just wanted to check where the brother was. He was just over a hill. So I sort of climbed up, you know, over the sort of uh, the, the metal top of yeah. the uh, of the truck. And as soon as I did that, this the one that was sleeping just jumped up, dag- dagger eyes, biggest roar I'd ever heard, started approaching the vehicle. I just froze like that. My <laughs> missus was laughing, actually. I don't know why, because he was torn it's sure apart. job. Yeah. And Jackson just goes, just get down very, very slowly, very, very slowly. Get down. He's still approaching. Just get down, get down, get down. And then eventually, sort of about two minutes later, he calmed down and went back to sleep. Um, but it's because they're used to the shape of the vehicle, you see. So they're, they're fine with the vehicle yeah. driving around and everything, you sticking your head out or, you know, a face yeah. being in there. But as soon as you get out of the shape of the vehicle, that's when they go... Nuts! How how hard, how fast was the ticker going? Oh, pretty quick. But I knew, to be honest, the guide was lower down than me, so he would have been the first one to go, yeah. and I think the lion would have been sated by that, so we would have been <laughs> all right. Poor Jackson. Did you say, sorry, Miss Jackson? No, no, he was fine by us. Give him a bit of a thrill. He doesn't usually get that. Why well, Pumba just pops Jeez. up? He just, he just gets retired, sort of, you know, Florida Keys or whatever, um... Americans coming over with their massive sort of seven foot zoom lenses <laughs> and shot them. Let's hope it's only you know, that. Pausing, exactly. taking photos of wild dogs for about three Good. hours. He gets a bit of an excitement. Well done, you. Teasing the lines. Uh, you wrote the following fill in the missing word. We spent time watching giraffes eating from the tops of the trees, hyenas scavenging for leftovers, and enormous buffaloes. Blank buffaloes. Mm, bull buffaloes. Cantankerous. Oh, really? Did you write that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of <course I> did. <laughs> so the five letters. Yeah, true that. Good on Scrabble. Uh, what does cantankerous mean? If you grumpy, isn't it? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, give it that. How many nights did you spend in Zanzibar? Five. Good. Would James Haskell have made the flight, or would he have forgotten his passport? Which is obviously a sort of play on the fact yeah, that he's he, failed to make he it to his he own show. Definitely, definitely made the flight. But, but forgotten the passport. But, you know, look, yeah. he's got the chat, hasn't he? You can get, get, the get gift across of the, the game. Line. Exactly. He would have talked customs in. Apparently he's texted while we've been recording this to say, are they going lightly on me? So anything you'd like to knife him with just before we finish? I'd like to try and end this debate about the day snoring. Yes! Which is interesting. Although hearing Nick deflate a few times today, I'm not quite sure if it will be proven. But there it's is something a... about big men, obviously. Yeah. We have, we have, we have <laughs> yeah. a thing on this show where half our... Listeners and viewers think that Tyndall's nose sort of toot sweets and he's sort of whistling out of it. And the other thing that Haskell sort of nods off and heavy breathes. And we're yet really to solve the mystery. Well, Haskell has a horrible intake. So he'll make a point, talk really quickly, then go... Yeah. Which I would never normally hide. Yeah, it's it's not a good thing to mention on an audio platform, but his breathing is horrific, second only to probably Tyndall. Quick, quick, just producer side, just how how, how clean have we been this week? Very clean. Therefore, you may come again. Would you, will you come back? I mean, obviously, yeah, if the... Um, no problem. If the sharks... Well, hopefully the sharks will come through, but if not, we'll dial in. I literally just exactly. clocked Do a live one. We've been talking about Steve Diamond, yeah. and you are getting the muckiest look from him and have been all show. <laughs> I've had a few of those in the past, actually. Yeah, he's probably going to... Hopefully be... we've discussed... Is that to remind you of your topics? Well, or it's just a sort of... We've had Ellis Genge in there, we've had Haskell in there naked, 
we'll have you in there actually if you get your, your shark's job yeah it's just sort of yeah the main man the we have flash. to put on the table because he's written in his contract that he has to well, have of course image rights of some sort that need to be paid out most hopeless talkback thing this week um thank you very much indeed pleasure was it enjoyable you enjoyed you yeah, get, yeah, got a few things good, off your chest always a good thing to chat rugby yeah good man um just before we go uh thank you for watching as always thank you for listening as well to the house of rugby uh, youtube and podcast show do leave us a review and thank you actually very much indeed to all of you who've been piling in off the back of our boxing day special we had quite a bit of fun with that actually but <laughs> certainly seems to be a fair amount of abuse directed at uh, Tins and Hask off the back of it. Uh, you can also download some of Joe's other programming should you wish to do that. You might have missed uh, Unfiltered with James O'Brien or perhaps Boys Don't Cry with Russell Kane. Both really good listens and do get involved if you would like to. Thank you once again to Nick and to Rob. Well, hopefully we'll see both of you again soon. Happy New Year. Uh, Hask will hopefully be back next week, assuming he remembers, of course. We certainly will be. And Ben Ryan is back for part two as well. He had wonderful feedback off the back of coming in a couple of weeks ago, so we'll get stuck into Ben's story uh, next week. Have a good seven days in the meantime, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye for now. You've been listening to the House of Rugby on Joe, together with Guinness. Drink responsibly. Visit drinkaware.co.uk for the facts.